you're listening to a message from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space for people to practice the ways of Jesus together. First of all, thank you so much for having me here. Um, I know the pastor, Sarah, is the pastor of this Grace, um, the Lutheran Church. Um, she and I have been working together uh, for the ASG as part of Crown Member, beautiful church. And also, thank you, Chase and Chris and Irene um, to invite me here. I met Chase and um, Irene in the downtown Starbucks. Uh, yeah, Starbucks is my church, but, well, it is recorded, right? So I should be careful to say whatever. So just, uh, okay. Um, anyway, it's too late. And, um, well... So I heard about the, yeah, talk about the mindfulness. So I thought about kind of very kind of technical things, you know, just um, do the mindfulness. And then um, somebody put my picture in the Cleo and I go, whoa, it's like a suit and then preacher. So like, oh, is this preaching? <laughs> and talking about the trauma from movement, which is way huge. So I felt like, um, oh, whatever. Uh, One of the the simplest definition of mindfulness is staying at the present moment. So um, I'm going to just be with you at the present moment. I have so many things I can share with you, but I know my time is limited. I enjoyed a couple of the um, sermons and chase. uh, Actually, when we met Starbucks, I talked a lot about the cross, and then they said, Whoa, that's what we're talking about right now, really? And um, I enjoyed um, my friend Jimmy. Um, uh, he preached last week, might be um, working with the neighborhood. It's just uh, very privileged. Um, and, and, and he talked about the lament, right? It's all related here. Um, having said that, uh, I feel like, uh, okay. I'm lost because <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. I have so many things and I have so many great people like you guys, you know, just uh, like uh, Chase said, I want to hug everybody and um, yeah. Uh, and at wherever I go, I'm the only one weird Asian small chubby guy. So today is not exceptional. Um, so hopefully you don't feel much weird because this is not going to be kind of preaching format. Um, I'm just going to pour out whatever I have at this present and we're going to be together, as Chase said, the family in Christ Jesus. Amen? Um, and uh, one of the other things that um, I thought I could control my slides, but not. And I have so many slides usually, and I cannot do that all the time. Everything. So I'm going to say, please, Jeff, Nick, help me. So, um, yeah, please uh, excuse me in advance. Um, so uh, we're going to go next slide. Welcome, everyone. And I usually do um, certain emotional check-in uh, when we do the mindfulness practice. So what's the next slide is um, about the emotional check-in, but I think it's too small. And so let's go to the next slide, which shows simply what I can control and what I cannot control. By the way, when Chase did a breathe in, breathe out, and I felt like, man, he did what I want to do. I'm done, you know, so that's great. But I have the ball together, breathe in, breathe out. But, um, so I'm going to start with a kind of simple practice like that. So um, I did it a lot with the pandemic and racial tension last year. 
about uh, what I can control and what I cannot control, um, and this simple mindful um, practice. So, um, let's think about at this point what bothers me today or um, this weekend or um, the last week. Um, it can be a lot. Um, Domestically, we have a Hurricane Ida. I don't know, some of your relatives are living in a certain place with a disaster, you know, um, damaged. Um, we know that Afghanistan, but also individually, we have a lot of challenges that really bother us, give us a lot of stress. So, if, if this practice gives us a hard time, don't do anything, okay? Just chill, just, just, just be there. But if you can follow my direction, can you think about something that kind of bothered me, although I cannot control? With that, let's think about what I can control, though, right now. Maybe my breathing and my posture, um, maybe what I want to think in spite of all things happening. So as we thought about what I cannot control and what I can control, we can just uh, simply calm and slowly, gently breathe in and breathe out. The good thing and the privilege that we have here is that we have God with us. And we know the phrase we use a lot, God is in control. So I'm going to read Romans chapter 8:28. It says, "And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose." That's good news. So, let's dismiss what I cannot control, even what I can control, and let's embrace God's control, His Spirit, freedom, grace, compassion. With that, we're going to slowly, gently breathe in and breathe out. One more time. Breathe in God's sovereign rule and breathe out my 
frustration, disappointment. And with that, I want to practice with you the centering prayer. So just pick up one good word out of Romans chapter 8, 28, or anything, what I said, or anything you want to focus, or anything the Holy Spirit inspire right now. Pick up one word, and we're going to center our soul and mind and body to that word. So we call this a centering prayer. And I'm going to hit this chime three times for that. Okay? Let's start. One last time, slowly, gently, breathe in and breathe out. All right. Um, Jeff, you can flip the slides next. Another one. So I, um, I was in social field a long time, but my call was to be a pastor, obviously. So I became a pastor and campus minister at ASU, um, founded the Facebook City. Um, so I work with a lot of young people, but also as an associate pastor of a local church, work with everybody. Next slide shows that um, our program, um, Career Server Leadership. So we did about 30 projects in the community. Uh, one of the things is that we... Um, Adopted the Hudson Park in the city of Tempe as the first group to do that. Uh, last year was the 10th anniversary, so the mayor showed up with a proclamation. And, um, yeah, you know, just so we have a celebration. Good things, right? Um, however, next slide shows kind of an interesting graph, uh, grief loss graph. The, the uh, left side is very cool, but uh, not cool, actually, but kind of clean. <laughs> But right side is more like my experience. Well, well, I came to the point, however, with all the good things, um, traumatized by myself. Uh, many reasons, many things happened. Uh, one of the examples of a death around me. So I went through grief and loss, and but also a lot of traumatized experiences and relationship trauma. So I became very suicidal. Um, I gave up everything. I'm just telling you my story because you need to know the context of why this guy suddenly do the trauma informed care movement. So I lost that uh, all my motivation and gave up everything. Even I started my church two months. Um, it doesn't happen in pastor year's life. Um, so, yeah, I was um, just six years ago. Um, however, the next slide shows that um, I went to D.C and to meet somebody who does um, trauma from the congregation conference. 
the national conference, and I never thought mental health and uh, church pastor trauma they can work together. But here it's coming together. So like what? And and I I met the movement trauma from care, and ACE study during childhood experiences. Um, and so with that, um, I came back to the Phoenix, and next slide shows uh, uh, my friend Marsha Stanton, one of the founders of ACES Consortium, which is a statewide authority for the movement. And uh, next slide shows that uh, um, I'm part of the uh, consortium working in all the sectors, but also I founded the Arizona Trauma-Informed Faith Community. After that, next slide shows all kinds of crazy pictures because the movement grew so exponentially, it was out of my control. So, I always feel like uh, up in the air because I cannot imagine five or six years ago, I gave up almost everything. I thought my, wife, uh, my life is totally wasted. I came from South Korea originally 30 years ago. Um, did everything for my career, for social work, and I became pastor, right? Deny everything, left everything behind. Oh. And, and I made this movement. I started the movement. And then it just got brought up this the huge. So I don't own it, and I'm telling you this not just as a typical testimony, but... God is in this, and Jesus is in this. This is not about mental health. It's not about the just science. And this is where God works together with us. So I, I'm just sharing this with you to invite you all to our movement, um, which is really all about the love. Um, I'm going to show the slide later, but um, the science tells us that... Um, the one of the most important factors to recover trauma is compassion, unconditional love, and one person with a constant care. When I heard that, hey, that's the medical or behavioral health jargon. That's me. That's faith community. Well, that's what I do, what we do all the time. So I felt like, whoa, there is a humongous opportunity for the faith community to contribute to this movement. So that really motivated me. So out of all this, the most important thing is I've been becoming recovering. Um, healing, I mean. So it's not about the movement and size and huge, but really I'm going deeper with God every day and I really accepted his unconditional love. I thought I knew it, right? When we did the sinner's prayer. When did you accept Jesus Christ, you know? And I thought, I know it. But when the trauma hit me, I felt like I don't have anything. And, and I struggled a lot with my suicidal ideation and suffering. But praise God, he met me. That encounter, like when God met Job in chapter 38, right? And then a few people who constantly loved me. And this trauma from care, knowledge, from science, and from scripture 
is really recovered me. I'm seeing the process. That's why I'm so passionate. Um, uh, I'm not here to promote the, a movement or whatever. It, you know, trauma informed care is a buzzword right now, but <sighs> it's not about that. It's about serious life issue, life or death, and, and God is real. And God just to shine on us in the middle of our darkness. By the way, um, the September is actually um, National Suicide Prevention uh, Month. Um, but you know that it's really about what is most important thing in our life, right? Um, uh, I don't know, just um, I got lost kind of a, a, my, my track of my thought that because it's very hard to express this in my heart. <laughs> I just want you to understand my, my, by my heart how much God is precious in me um, and that I want to share. Um, uh, next uh, slide shows that uh, this is a national coalition of them. Um, Trauma-informed policy and practice. There's a national coalition and campaign. Um, so they gonna start um, the faith-based committee under that national coalition, and I'm chairing on that to really expand what's going on in Arizona to whole nation. Um, and boy, it works. Um, it's not easy though because, and still there are huge gap between faith community and mental health community, and government, and education. And you know, right now we are here, a very divided nation in every way. Um, so it might be the worst time to do this kind of movement, or best time. Um, however, um, I love that Nucleo tried to have a space and where people can come together and gather together. Um, that's what we need. And that's what this movement is about. This movement is about creating the space of safety. Well, um, the next slide shows that um, the ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. Um, simply speaking, what happened in your past, especially childhood, affects your later life health. The science proves for 20 years. Uh, mental health, physical health, cancer, all the autoimmune diseases, a lot of things. And you can think, well, I had a bad childhood and like a pretty tough adulthood, kind of makes sense. But still, if you look at our current medical and social behavior model, then we still focus on what's going on right now. What brought you here? Or maybe you can tell your friend, hey, what's wrong with you, right? But actually, this science tells us, which was researched by medical doctors, um, Dr. Felody and, 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 and Anda, actually when they published this article 20 years, uh, 20 years ago, the, all the colleagues ridiculed them <laughs> because childhood experiences, trauma, abuse, neglect, household dysfunction, that is related to cancer? No way. But now, this is now very accepted scientific fact that this is true, which means we are dealing with all the symptoms still, 
like cardiac uh, disease or depression, but there might be the root cause for that. If you don't touch and heal the root cause, the, all the symptoms can come back and come back and come back. So, the, the science tells us we need the therapy pills and all the medical treatment, everything what we try to do, but we need to go to the root cause. And the next slide shows that also with that, if the root cause used to be hidden down here. Um, do you, do you, did you hear about the Me Too movement? Right? So this is a, uh, the women's movement against abuse, right? Sexual um, harassment and molestation. And um, well, there's a lot of controversy here, right? Mm, we know that the one out of five and the American woman and being in a sexually molested in, 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 you know, in their childhood and up to 20 year old. Um, however, do you know what is the average age that the women honestly talk about their experience about their sexual harassment and molestation? 52. Um, all shame and guilt are connected here. So, you know, we just judge people based on their behavior, how they look. Oh, Chase, you look so cool. You know, just, oh, yeah, awesome pastor. But we don't know, actually, what happened in their life. So in our movement, we recommend that instead of saying, what's wrong with you, ask what happened to you? So we need to create the safe space where people can feel accepted, trusted, and they can talk about their life very vulnerably, honestly, transparently. And that's the beginning of the healing as we can delve into their root cause. Do you think that can only happen in the therapeutic counseling session? No, it's not. I witnessed that. I'm intentionally unlicensed in anything. I had a lot of education, but still my church is a Starbucks. My counseling room is a Starbucks. My office is a Starbucks. I don't have to worry about the, what insurance code or whatever. I can just be there and whenever people feel I'm safe, and then healing can start because we build safe and constant care relationship. This movement is not about therapy. It's really about building therapeutic community without therapists. I work with a therapist, don't get me wrong. But I want to encourage people who think, oh, I cannot do the counseling. I don't have a degree. I don't have a certificate. You know, all the things. But no, 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 no. True human healing comes when they can feel they are safe. Physically, psychologically, spiritually, culturally, in every dimension. What we know, what we need to know from the science is that, can you go to the next, let me next um, slides. 
when somebody shows kind of a, a very erratic behavior because their trauma memory from the past shows off, and they show the fight, flight, or freeze, which is, by the way, very phys physiologically correct behavior, and we need to understand this is how God made us. When we need to survive, we cannot be rational. You know what I mean? We just need to fight or run away if you don't know what to do, and we can just froze there, right? So this correct behavior, although it can be seen very annoying and more illegal, it needs to be understood as a coping system or solution instead of a problem. For example, substance use, right? Whenever you see the, oh, I'm alcohol addict, okay, fix it first, then I can talk to you, right? But according to research, over 95% of the substance users, they use the substance because they were in a certain way of a trauma in the past. Somehow, anyhow, they chose, their brain chose that unhealthy behavior to cope with. So with that, it can really help us to be more compassionate. And I think Jesus was there. The next slide shows that um, one of the key verses I love, it says what? The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. When we feel broken or crushed, we feel like what? God is far away. And maybe I did something wrong. Or maybe there's no God. What is this? Right? And even sometimes that's more kind of a reinforced by church. The next slide. Like a Job's friends. Their theology is correct. Job, you did something wrong. That's why this happened. In the end, God said what? Nope. You guys are wrong. Oh, really? So what do you expect from this Story, if you were friends of Job, what do you need to do? You need to accept and giving him a safe place and space instead of judging him, right? Do you see that trauma from the care science and then scripture and Jesus' way and God, it all coming together here? Because when there is a trauma brain memory activate, people cannot be rational. They need to be calmed down. In order to do that, we do the mindfulness and all these things. Safety first, then rationality. So um, let's go to the next slide, next one. This is Dr. Bruce Perry kind of an international authority in, in this movement in science. And he was in Oprah in 60 Minutes. Oprah asked, what is the most important thing, the recovery of trauma? <laughs> Guess what? What he said? Relationship. See, that's not therapy or appeal. That's a relationship. I believe if you follow Jesus, you are the expert of the G uh, relationship. Am I right? I, it's not all about the religion. It's about the rela relationship. We always talk about it, right? That's why I say if you follow Jesus, 
You can be the trauma-informed care expert, although you don't have any certificate. Trust me. See, uh, go next slide. And next one. Another one. Yes. John chapter 8. There's a woman caught in adultery. You know the whole context. And what Jesus did do? He didn't ask, hey, what's wrong with you? What did you do? You cannot do this thing, right? He kicked out all the accusers, actually. Where are they, woman? I don't see them. He kicked out all the accusers from her. And then he said, where are the people who condemn you? I don't see them. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. And then he said, sin no more. Dr. Bruce Perry talking about with the brain science, a three R to regulate and ground people's life, to calm down. Regulate, relate, reason. When a person is in trouble and stress and trauma, they need to regulate their all the system to be safe and relieved and calm down and grounded. And they need to be relate, means they need to be accepted, loved, instead of judged, abandoned. And they, then they can think about reasonably. So we can talk about it. Hey, do you remember what happened? How can we go out of this, right? Look at what he just did. He guaranteed the, the woman's safety first. He accused all, he kicked out all the accusers. Safety, regulate. And he said, I don't condemn you. I accept you. He related her. Regulate, relate, and then reason, and then sin no more. A lot of times we go the other way around. This is the rule. You follow, then I love you, and you belong here. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, you can be with us. You are safe. It's okay not to be okay. And I love you. And we can talk. So, so with that, um, uh, Jeff or me? Jeff? Okay. Let's go. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, next slide. Think about all your things. And I'm just going to conclude because I don't have much time more. Uh, next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Wow, so many things. If you have a question, just let me know later. You guys have PowerPoint. Okay, what is the mindfulness? The practice of being in present moment, pay attention without judgment. Okay, next slide. There are many ways you can do the mindfulness practice. Uh, the another thing next to slide shows that, but if somebody's in the trauma, you don't have to direct them forcefully. Just let them do what they can do. Even when you're the breathing, don't say close your eyes. Just, you can close your eyes, but you don't have to. It's up to you. Safety first. And next slide. Next one. And next one. Sorry. Okay. So, as I close with you guys, let's practice what I talked about so far and then try to receive the Word of God in a mindful way. Okay, so, well, I hope you all feel safe here. 
Do you feel safe? Raise your hand. Oh, not all of them. Okay. I don't feel safe now. <laughs> all right. Um, I feel this is so safe place. I feel accepted. So thank you so much. Um, and God is with us. And he loves us unconditionally. Honestly, I don't like with the many people together. I don't know. Surviving my own immigration, my trauma made me so weird. And um, I feel not comfortable, right? Um, and that's okay. Because I found Jesus said, it's okay not to be okay. Don't try to behave too much. So it's not about the behavior. It's about a heart. So when, as we feel safe in God, he's not judgmental. And I believe we don't judge each other here, right? We all said to love one another. We did this. I saw it. Yeah. All right. Peace, peace. That's great practice. And then let's just accept ourselves also. I think the most hardest thing, hardest thing to overcome is self-blame, actually. So let's receive truly the God's unconditional love to me. And with that, right, we're going to regulate with the breathing together. Breathe out. One more time. Breathe in together. Breathe out. And the slide shows the Augustine of Hippo said, Let us leave a room for the reflection in our lives, room to for silence. Let us look within ourselves and see whether there is some delightful hidden place inside where we can be free of noise and argument. Let us hear the word of God in stillness, and perhaps we will then come to understand it. Cool. And when he said noise and argument, I usually think about, I have to fight against it. Go ahead. In the name of Jesus, you know, I do all kind of prayer, spiritual warfare, and all kind of things. But now I don't do that. I just let it be there. Acknowledge it. It's okay not to be okay. My stillness in God doesn't have to be bothered by what I think, what I feel, because it's normalized in my life. I'm living in a stranger, uh, uh, the world where I am stranger. This is not my home. It's okay. But I'm safe in Jesus. So don't try hard to shut down the noise in um, argument, debate, a lot of thoughts. Head spinning, that's okay. But still, I trust God is with us. And I'm going to read the Second Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. But the way how I read is a little bit like a Lectio Divina from spiritual direction. So I'm going to read one line by line very slowly. You just listen. And try to be with God with that word. You can hear what he says. You don't hear anything. That's okay. You feel uncomfortable with the silence. Oh, I don't feel I don't feel I don't feel comfortable. That's okay. Let's start. Three times I appeal to the Lord about this. 
that it would, would leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. So that the power of a Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm content to it. Weaknesses, insults, hardships. Persecutions and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. In our weakness, noise, and arguments, complicated life, we breathe in the power in Christ and breathe out all our flesh. We breathe in the power of the Holy Spirit and we breathe out all our discouragement. And we breathe in the unconditional of God, unconditional love of God, and we breathe out our limited life on earth. Lord, help us to finish our race in the faithfulness of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. For more resources or information about Kaleo, please visit our website at kaleophx.com or follow us on social media. If this episode has been helpful to you, let us know or share it with someone you know.